Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. Our speaker today is none other than Paul Pierpoint, a wonderful preacher from South Florida. He preached this message back in 2011 at the Shelbyville, Indiana Bible Holiness Church. The message was preached primarily that day to the young people in the congregation, but its message applies to all of us. It's titled, Building a Life That Counts. I know you'll enjoy this wonderful sermon. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the Praise the Lord. Let's just take a minute or two and get acquainted, okay? My name is Paul Pierpoint. That's a big name, isn't it? Not pinpoint, Pierpoint. And I come from way down in southern Florida where it's warm and hot. And it's cold up here. <laughs> okay. So, all right. How many, how many Marys do we have? Or J Sally's or Miltilda's or Gertie's? What's your name? Yeah. What, what is it? Courtney? Hey, that's pretty nice. Okay. What's your name, Mom? Okay. Good, good, good. Hey, buddy, what's your name? Okay. Well, now we're all acquainted, aren't we? Where do you come from? Where do you come from? Shelbyville? Okay. Good, good, good. And where do you come from, Sally? Okay. Okay. Hi, everybody. We're all acquainted now. All right. Now, I'm just kind of curious. I don't know whether you do. How many have your Bibles with you? Anybody? Oh, look at the Bibles. Okay. Good, good, good. Take your Bibles, those that have them, and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And in this particular chapter, I want to call your attention to verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15. And really, this verse is our text, or should I say, maybe our starting point for the message tonight. And the verse goes something like this. See, then, that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to change the wording of this verse but really not essentially the meaning. But I'm going to put it this way. See then that ye build carefully, not as fools, but as wise. 
And the theme that I have chosen for this service tonight is simply this, building a life that counts. Did you hear me? Building a life that counts. And uh, the message, of course, is largely geared to young people, but not all together. It's a message for all of us. Now, you may not consider yourselves carpenters, but guys, gals, all of us, young, middle-aged, good-looking, bad-looking, I mean, yeah, all of us are in the building business. And young people, you're building a life. Amen? You are laying a foundation for life structure. Really, you're building for eternity. Now, some of us are putting on the shingles of the old house. Okay, not looking at anybody right now, but... <laughs> but the Bible, in the Bible, the Christian life is termed like a building. Now, the question is, what are we building? What kind of foundation are we laying? What, what, what kind of life are we living? Now, hold on. I know opinions vary as to the kind of life that really counts. And boys and girls and moms and dads, we must recognize this fact that we are living in a society today that is saturated with twisted values and blurred distinctions and perverted notions as to the kind of life that really, really, really counts. Since we live in a pleasure-oriented society, many would say that the life that has a lot of fun to it, woo, that's the life that counts. And there are many young people today who are living just for thrills and for kicks and just for a lot of fun. But there's more to life than just fun. Amen. And then we live in what I'm going to call a materialistic society. And to a lot of people, the life that counts is making big bucks, winning the lottery, woohoo, and all that kind of thing, you know. But really, what is a life that really counts? And to me, that's a very real, serious, valid question, particularly to all people, but particularly to the young people. Amen? Some time ago, I had the privilege of speaking in a chapel session with many boys and girls from kindergarten up to the graduating class. And I asked this question to these students. What's the meaning of life, boys and girls? What's the meaning of life? And there was a young boy sitting right near the front, and he spoke right out. He said, I don't know. I think I do know, though. He said, i tell you what life is all about. He said, life is, you have to get up with the chickens, you work like a horse, and eat like a pig, and you're going to die like a dog. That's the meaning of life. Woo! What a humdinger of a philosophy of life. But... Boys and girls, mom and dads, there's something more to life than eating like a pig. There's something more to life than just making a living. You're to make a life. Life is more than just having fun. Life is more than just, woohoo, I just won the lottery. Life is more than thrills and kicks. In this particular chapter, chapter 5 of the book of Hebrews, 
it tells us about the life that really counts. It's good building material. Let's take a look at some of these verses, those of you that have your Bibles. What do we find in this chapter that will help me, help you, build a life that counts? Okay? I'm going to give you several things and then work on them, okay? What we call a little outline. Number one, if you want to build a life that counts, there's a pattern to be followed. And that is suggested to in verse 1 of this chapter. If you want to build a life that really counts, there are practices that you've got to avoid if you want to build a life that counts, all in this chapter. And then, if you want to build a life that counts, there's a proving that needs to be exercised. And so let's see how far we can get in this outline tonight, all right? Here we go. Number one, how can I live a life that counts? You ready, boys and girls? Mama does. Here we go. Look at verse 1. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Paul the Apostle invites his readers to imitate God. That's what the word follower means in the original language. The verse could be read this way. Therefore be imitators of God. And I know what you're saying. How can I imitate God? I've never seen God. I've never touched God. God is that woo, way up there. Something other than us. Majestic. Awesome. I've never seen God. How can I copy God? You can. And I'm going to tell you how you can and why you should. You can copy God because God has put his image in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And you, <laughs> you want to build a life that counts? Make it your ambition. Make it your desire. Make it your life's goal to make Christ the pattern of your life. Amen? God has put his likeness in, the, in human form in the person of his son. I'm proud of the young people that are serving Christ. I'm proud of those young people that are making it an ambition to follow Christ and make Christ the pattern of their life. But oh, I'm so sad, I'm so sad about the scores of young people that are not following the pattern of Christ, but following the pattern of people of the world, sports world, entertainment world, all kinds of that are not following the pattern of Christ, and they're going to wreck their life and ruin their life. Young people, my word to you is follow the pattern. Make Jesus Christ the pattern of your life, and you'll be building a life that really counts. Amen. We all have heroes. As a young preacher boy, I had, I had some heroes. My heroes were preacher men. And I enjoyed this. Some fellows I just enjoyed. And you know what? I hope you don't forget this little word. I love impersonating those preachers. You know what that means? Copying those preachers. And I just, you wouldn't know these fellows, but there's a, there's a I don't know whether you know a William Gale or not. I don't know whether you know an R.G. Flexen or not, but some of those were my preacher. And I would, the problem was, when I get to the pulpit, I start preaching like a Flexen. Or I start preaching like a William Gale, okay? And I go home and my wife would say, boy, you're a Gale this morning, or you're a Flexen this morning. And when I made a flop and fizzled preaching, she said, boy, you're a Pierpoint this morning. 
Let me tell you something. We got some older folk here, okay? How many of you older folk remember those way, way back, those one-room school rooms, those old country school rooms? Yes, yes. And I remember when back in Sarah, when this was East Athens, I attended this one-room school with several classes in this one room. It was an old school. I can remember one day the teacher said, boys and girls, listen to me, boys and girls. I'm going to put on the blackboard, I'm going to call it a cursive line of writing. That's your pattern. Get your, get your papers out. I want you to take that, follow that pattern, put it down line after line. That is perfect penmanship. That's perfect writing. Make it your pattern. Put it down right now. That's your assignment. Now, I've got to slip out of the door. I'll be gone for a little while, but I'll come back. And while the teacher was gone, whoo, it was just a few days before school was let out, and all this pent-up emotion, and some of those took their papers and made it spitwads and pea shooters and all kinds of things. And a battle just raged, you might say. I mean, you took skill to dodge all the spitwads that were going on. They were tearing up their papers and not following the pattern. Finally, somebody, shh, 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 shh. Here comes the teacher, quiet. And there was a calm in the battlefield. I mean, the teacher said, all right, boys and girls. Can I see? Bill, come on up here. Let me look at your, Bill, that first line is all right. That's, but Bill, what happened? The teacher knew what happened. Bill knew what happened, and all the other kids knew what happened. He got his eyes off the pattern. And boys and girls and moms and dads, that's exactly what the devil wants to do to you. He wants to get you. There's a lot of spitwads in this world. There's a lot of pea shooters in this world. There's a lot of obstructions in this world and attractions in this world to get your eyes off the pattern. But my word to you, my message to you, make Jesus, <laughs> make Jesus a pattern of your life Amen. And you'll be building a life that counts. Amen. Amen. Secondly, there are practices to avoid if you want to build a life that counts. Okay? Verse 11. Have no fellowship, no connection, have no part of the unfruitful deeds of darkness. Amen. There are some things, boys and girls, moms and dads, there are some things that are wrong. There are practices and activities that do not please Christ. And they, if you want to build a life that counts, they must be avoided. We are to say no to some things. Have you ever seen that little thing? Say no to something. Something you've got to say no to. An apostle in this chapter gives us a list of things we are to say no to. Let me quickly give several to you. You ready? What do we say no to? Say no to bad relationships. Verse 7, be not ye therefore partakers with them. Verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful deeds of darkness. You know what these verses are saying? Simply this, be careful about your associations. Be careful about your friendships. Choose your friends wisely. Have the right kind of friends. It's critical if you want to build a life that counts. Keep away from the crowd that will pull you down and pull you away from Christian influences and Christian teaching and Christian values. Find friendships that will make 
the Christian life attractive to you. Whatever it is, say no to. Say no to careless living. Look at verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. Whoa, that's a big word. Circumspectly. In other words, walk carefully. Walk with your eyes open. Don't live foolishly. Another rendering of this verse goes something like this. Be careful how you live. Take great care how you live. Don't build your life foolishly. The, the, the Hamilton sisters know my wife very well. We talked to her on the phone a couple times today. My wife was a school teacher, and her major in college was English, and her minor was Latin. I hate Latin. I don't like the language of Latin, okay? <laughs> and she heard me use this word circumspectly. And she stopped me. She said, Paul, that's a good Latin word, circumspectly. Well, what's circumspect? She said, circum means around. And specto means to look, to watch. I almost had a shouting spell, Mom. I said, Leela, that makes for good preaching. Thank you. If you want to build a life that counts, look around. Keep your eyes open. There are dangers along the way. There are things that are out there that will pull you away. And if you want to build a life that counts, keep your eyes open. Let me see if I can give you an illustration. I was missionary secretary of our conference for several years back in, over in the state of New York. And I traveled quite extensively here and there. And I remember being in Brazil one time, a city called Manaus, Brazil. And I was staying in the missionary station up on the second floor. And I got up early in the morning and I looked out. And jetting out from the back porch of that missionary compound, missionary building, was a high, narrow fence, wood fence. And on top of that fence was a cat walking. And on this side of the fence and on that side of the fence, there were dogs barking. Just, I, I'm not a dog. I can't bark. But bark from me, Sally. You can't bark. Okay. And there's a dog barking. Bar dogs barking. They were hungry. They wanted a breakfast. And they're jumping, snarling. You know what that cat was doing? That cat was walking circumspectly. That cat was walking cautiously. That cat was walking carefully. One misstep, and it provided a breakfast for the dogs. Boys and girls, mom and dads, right and left, front and back. If you want to build a life, you've got to walk carefully. Walk circumspectly. Keep your eyes open. Amen. And then, let me jump on the other hand. Okay. There are some things you need to say yes to. Some things you need to say no to. And I've I got a whole list here, but I don't have time. But there are some things you need to say yes to. Let me tell you. Say yes, young people, to the whole will of God for your life. Can I tell you something, guys, gals? God has a plan for you. God has a will for you. God has a desire for you. God wants to do something for you, Mary, Matilda. God wants to do something, Bill and Henry. Amen. God has a will for your life. And if you want to build a life that really counts, you've got to make sure you're seeking 
wanting, working toward the will of God for your life. Don't, I, I enjoy working with young people. And I keep saying to young people, don't let there be a battling between your will and God's will. Let there be a blending. Don't let there be friction between your will and God's will. Let there be a fusion. If you want to build a life that really counts, make it your ambition to seek the will of God. Amen? Let me give you one more. There's a pattern to be followed. There are practices to be avoided. There's a proving to be exercised. I'm dropping down to verse 10. Prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. When you love Christ, when you're in love with him, you want to please him. You want to find out what it is that's acceptable to the Lord. Or turning the coin over. If you love Christ, it's important to find out what things that do not please him. In order to do this, can I tell you something? You can't have a blind acceptance of everything that comes down the road. That's what the word proving means here. The word proving carries the thought of testing. One writer puts it this way. Put to test the issues of life. Amen. Now hold on. I hope I don't sound too negative here. But I feel compelled to say this. It requires no effort to go along with the crowd and accept what the crowd accepts. There is a need these days for the quality, I'm going to use another big word. There's a need these days for the quality of discernment. We're not to accept everything that comes down the pipe. There are things that differ. Not everything is the same. Amen? Let me say it this way. Are you with me? There are things, I think we can categorize it. There are things that are bad. There are things that are good. There are things that are best. There are things that are unacceptable. There are things that are passing legitimate. But there are things that are excellent. And in this revival, while I'm here speaking to you, basically to young people, my message to you is cultivate a desire. Make it your ambition not to accept what is bad. Don't even stop with what is good, but go on over into what is excellent. Top nose, best. Amen. 53 years ago, I dated a gal called Leela Price. And we got serious. And by the way, God can give you guidance in the selection of your career, in the selection of your companion, and we sense the sense of God's guidance. And we got down close to the date, and I wanted to give my girlfriend, girlfriend, which I now was engaged to, I wanted to give her a lovely present. Okay? And I was in Bible school at the time in Allentown, and I wanted, and we were going to meet over near Philadelphia, and I was wanting a nice gift for her to show her my love to her. I didn't have a lot of money. I was a student and didn't have a lot of money. So I wanted to buy her a beautiful watch, a beautiful watch, okay? She didn't have one. I wanted to get her a watch. I hate shopping, okay, but I did some shopping. I went from one store to another to find this. No, this, this doesn't go. This isn't good. This isn't good. And finally, I found a beautiful bull of a watch. Okay, I've been paying on it ever since, so to speak. <laughs> and, okay, 
Now, the point I'm making is my love for her demanded the best so that I was selective. I didn't want the bad. I didn't want even the good. I want the best. And I think this was the best. I took that watch down to a Hess department store up on the third floor and had to wrap it up. But before they wrapped it up, I'm an awful tease. I'm an awful tease. I took that beautiful Boulevard watch out, put it in my pocket, and I picked up a toy watch and put the toy watch in that beautiful case and had the gal wrap it up, put perfume on it and powder on it and, and, and ribbons and whatever else. Woohoo! I met Leela outside of Philadelphia and I looked for a nice place where I could just say, Leela, <laughs> I just love you, honey. I just, oh, it's God's helped us and we brought us together. I want to give you a gift, but I wanted a nice place to do it. Sequestered, beautiful atmosphere where I can do that kind of thing. I found this road that goes down outside of Philadelphia. And I thought, this is going to be it. This is it. Woo, woo, woo. I found the road led to the Philadelphia city dump. You talk about atmosphere. That atmosphere was ripe. I mean, the smell is whatever it else is. And so we looked for another place. And finally, I think I found something halfway decent. And I said, Leela, <laughs> I just want to tell you I love you, dear, and the Lord has blessed us. I want to give you a nice little gift. Okay. And here is this beautiful package with ribbons and perfume on and all that nice stuff. And she did it so ceremoniously. She just took the ribbon off and opened up the package and opened up the box and lifted up this toy watch. And she moved it and both hands went around. She should have kicked me out then. She should have got rid of me then, put me in the garbage. But she did say this, Paul, you shouldn't have done it. I said, wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. I was not satisfied to give her a toy watch. I was just only fun. My love for her was not satisfied with the bad, not satisfied with even the passing and legitimate. My love for her wanted the excellent, the topmost, the, the best. Okay? I would never have been satisfied to have that toy watch. I've said all that, young people, older people. I have a desire for you. It's a thrill to speak to you tonight. God bless you. I want something out of you guys. I want you to cultivate a desire, okay? Get in love with Jesus. I was in love with Leela. Get in love with Jesus. And let that love grow on you and develop. Make sure you get to church. Make sure you get in all the sessions and learning sessions and whatever you have here, junior church or whatever. Get in love with Jesus and let that love be the strongest desire of your heart. I want to please Jesus. I want Jesus to be the pattern of my life. I don't want practices that are evil. I want to prove what is right and I want Jesus to be pleased with me. And don't be satisfied with the bad. Don't be satisfied with even the passing. I want the best. My love for Jesus <laughs> dictates the best. Amen. I want to be a Christian. I want, to, I want the Lord to be pleased with my life. And I want the best for him. Shall we stand?
Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. That has been passed on.